Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. It's an active revolution in many ways to be a woman, to be a therapist, to be a healer who says, you know what, I'm going to push against what, honestly, the patriarchy has taught me it means to be, quote, professional. And instead, I'm going to show up as who I am, who I genuinely, honestly am. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. So today's episode is with Megan Meganson. Uh, If you have listened to this podcast uh, in the past, uh, or if you are a Money Skills for Therapist student, uh, you're probably going to know that Megan Meganson is one of my business besties. We have uh, been friends in business for six years now, and I'm really excited to have her back on the podcast today. Megan is a licensed therapist. She's a seven-figure entrepreneur, and she's also a business coach who helps therapists take their careers to the next level. She's the founder of the Rest and Success Code, uh, which is a charity fundraising event that inspires therapists to become deeply rested and wildly successful. And today, Megan and I get into the value, both the emotional value and financial value of creating a personal brand. This is really deeply what Megan teaches, which is how to create a brand that really reflects you and who you are, how to step out of that blank slate conditioning that we get, you know, that we learn as therapists to be like tucked away and make sure that we don't personally disclose and all of these things that can make it very difficult if we decide we want to expand and do things differently. So Megan and I dig into that. We talk about what it can look like, what some examples of a personal brand and expanded offer can look like. And then we talk too about the financial value of creating a personal brand or the financial potential, I should say, but also other ways that a personal brand can pay you besides money. It's always so lovely to be able to talk with Megan, period, and especially to have her on the podcast. Here is my conversation with Megan Meganson. 
So Megan, welcome back to the podcast. Lindsay, thanks for having me. It is always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) Always a pleasure. And I'm excited to have you today because I think that since you were on the podcast last, well, I know this because we speak all the time because we are biz besties. I think you've you've evolved a lot, I think, in turn, like finessed, like in the work that you're doing and the way that you're messaging. And I think really honing in on like your specific offer that you have for us therapists. And I'm really excited to get into those things today. Uh, Would you agree with that? Is that accurate? Do you feel like? I think you were last here like maybe two years ago or a year. Yeah, and a half. it's it's been a hot minute. I mean, things things change fast yeah. when you are <laughs> growing and evolving. Yeah, I would say that like my evolution continues in yes. who I am and in the work that I want to do in the world. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you about that today. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think you really have a I mean, we're going to talk about some personal brand stuff today. To me, you really have like an ever a real like living, breathing brand because the work that you do is so like tied to like what you're able to offer with your own growth as you grow. I feel like you're very quickly able to turn and like help other people up that level right behind you. And I mean, it is, we're going to talk about this, but it is one of my favorite things about having a personal brand is that it does pivot and grow with you. And I think if you're the kind of person who is really invested in personal growth and is always looking for like looking in how to move closer to what you're passionate about or, or what you want to do with your work on this planet, having a personal brand is a beautiful vehicle that helps you do that pretty seamlessly. Right. So something that you and I have talked about a lot in our time together as friends going through evolutions is how as therapists, you have to kind of have to like tuck yourself back, right? This like blank slate persona that we need to have, you know, in clinical work, or that at least we've been taught to have in clinical work. We don't really share a lot of ourselves. We try to be inoffensive, neutral. And I think for so many of us, that becomes so second nature and like so part of how we experience ourselves professionally. So as therapists are like starting to think about doing the kind of work that that you've done and step more into like being themselves and putting themselves out there, how do they shed that kind of blank slate costume that we've all been taught to wear for so many years? Yeah. You know, and I think it's important to name that we receive this message both explicitly and implicitly as therapists that many people are trained in graduate school programs that literally say you need to be a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to share who you are. It is unethical to self-disclose. It is unethical to quote make the work about you. It's selfish to want to share your personality and weave yourself into the work that you're doing. These these messages are they're oppressive. They are deep Deeply internalized. And for, for many of us, they actually started way before graduate school. Mm-hmm. Right? Many, many therapists received very similar messages from their own families. You know, don't be too smart, don't be too successful, don't be too loud, don't be too right. shiny. You yeah. know, just be a little less of everything that you are so that you fit fit in better mm-hmm. to, you know, this family system of which you are a member by default. Right. So we come about this blank slate conditioning naturally. And we have years and years of conditioning that that tell us it's not okay to be who we are. And many therapists get to the point in their practices and in their lives where they just can't live that way anymore. And this was certainly something that I experienced of, I just like, I can feel my, myself is begging to come out and I want to be more self-expressed. I want to be more authentic and honest 
And I have to do that in my life. You know, I have to do it in my life personally. And as Mm -hmm. I do it more in my life, I then have to do it more in my practice and in my business. So it's a big question. How do I start to become more self-expressed, more authentically who I am in my private practice? And I think the first way that we start to do that is to weave elements of our personality into our business, into our branding, and into our work with clients. Mm, Right. And can you give some examples of what that could look like? Yeah, I can give some examples and I'm going to give your listeners a whole guide about it at Uh, the end of this conversation. So (laughs) listeners, you're going to be well supported in this process. Um, (laughs) The first place I like to start is like, let's just think about adjectives that describe who you are. This Mm. This is where I begin with folks in my coaching program, Next Level Therapist is, you know, what are some adjectives you would use to describe yourself? Mm. And people will say things like, you know, funny, I'm funny, or I'm sensitive, or I'm chill, or I'm, you know, fill in the blank. I'm charismatic, you know, I'm adventurous, I'm eccentric, whatever the adjectives that you might use to describe who you are. And then we say, okay, let's take a look at your business as it is right now. Let's take a look at your website. Let's take a look at your copywriting. Let's take a look at your intake paperwork. Let's take a look at, you know, how you engage with clients. And I want to know, are those adjectives present in your business? Are they present in the way that you're working with clients? And let's just examine that. And let's look at how can we weave more of the way you want to show up in, in the world into what you're actually doing. And just starting with some exploration around your adjectives can be a really evocative and telling process. Hmm. Yeah, that is really interesting because something that I think about is even if I think about like forms, usually it's like we have a form that we got from somebody else and we feel like, okay, this is how the form has to be because this is right. And often it has very kind of like dry language or like mm, aspirationally legal language that isn't really, but like this very kind of like stuffy nature of some of those kinds of things. And yeah, I am thinking about like what your client's experiences would be like if the forms actually reflected your vibe rather than feeling like, oh, this is like a generic form that could be at a hospital or could be at a vet clinic, but instead I'm at you know, a therapist's office. Right. It's such a small place to make a tweak, but it does have a powerful impact on how the client is experiencing you mm. as the provider. And it's also going to call in more of the right clients, right? Because if you are being, if let's say you're sassy, you know, like yeah. if, if sassy is one of your adjectives and your website homepage is super sassy, very conversational, it sounds like the way you would talk to your friends and family, mm-hmm. you know, but in a professional setting. Sure. And then a client looks at your paperwork and your paperwork while while being clear and covering you know all of the bases that it needs to cover also has that element of sassiness about mm. it the client's either going to know in that moment you are not the person for me yes. <laughs> uh no thank you or holy shit i want to hang out with you like mm-hmm. can we you know like i yeah. like i'm so excited to talk to you i like you are going to be the person for me so in addition to making you feel better as the practitioner that you actually get to be who you are and you get to show up as yourself, you have the secondary gain of Mm -hmm. pulling in the people who want to hang out with the real you and repelling the people who are not going to like who you are. And those aren't our dream clients. So those are not people that you need to be working with anyways. So I think it's just a win-win in every direction. I, yeah, I agree. And it's interesting. Like it's reminding me of something yesterday. I was having a conversation with someone who wants to join the course and had run out of time to join the course and and came back and, and said like, oh, I didn't realize there was a deadline. Like, can I join today? 
And so I replied to her and said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to help you in. And I shared a, you know, a sales page that has a deadline on it. And I shared with her, we use deadlines in our business because we've learned that the therapists that we serve uh, will avoid money if they can until approximately the end of time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wrote in the email. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought it was very funny and clever. Uh, I was obviously having a bit of a sassy day, but I did notice afterwards there was like this policing voice that came into me like, yeah. and was like, you don't know this person yet. Like that could be very off-putting to her. That could be offensive to her. Like you could have struck the wrong tone, but then I had a counter thought of like, well, yeah, but if she doesn't like my little joke, she's probably not going to like working with me. Exactly. Because <laughs> I use humor right. in the work that I do. Right. Uh, but it, like, I did notice this like back and forth that happened in me almost immediately of like doubting that infusion of like more of my kind of like lighter personality uh, right away. And then also reminding myself like, yeah, if she doesn't like that little joke, she's probably not going to like the hundred other little jokes that I like to tell when I'm doing coaching calls to keep things light. Such a good example. And it's so true. It's an active revolution in many ways to be a woman, to be a therapist, to be a healer who says, you know what, I'm going to push against what honestly the patriarchy has taught me it means Mm. to be quote professional. Mm-hmm. And instead, I'm going to show up as who I am, who I genuinely, honestly am. And it is really hard. And what you're describing is just a great example of that internalized conditioning. It just bubbles. It automatically bubbles right up mm-hmm. to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, was that appropriate? Are you going to upset her? Like We all walk around with these little critics that are really concerned about upsetting people and really concerned about stepping out of line. Mm-hmm. And when my clients are really struggling with that, I will often say, like, the only thing that you shouldn't do is be an asshole. <laughs> really? Sure. Like, don't be an asshole, you know? And if if you are not being an asshole, then you, there's not many things you can do wrong. You know, it's be yourself. If, if you're being kind, if you're leading with love always, and you're being yourself, and someone doesn't like the way that you presented, great. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful opportunity for the two of you decide that you were not the the right fit to work together. But it is like every day, every moment that you are taking off the blank slate costume, Mm -hmm. it is a reconditioning process. And we as therapists know how hard that is. So you have to be really gentle with yourself, you have to be kind, and you need to be in a community of therapists who are doing that work as well. Because if you're trying to do this in isolation and you have nobody to talk to when you have one of those challenging days or you're doubting yourself, you're going to go right back into the tiny little box that you've been stuffed into for so long. Like being connected to community as you are coming out as your true self is a really important part of this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. And I think that, you know, if I think about our business relationship, I feel like that's part of the work that we've helped each other do over the last mm-hmm. six years or whatever um, that we've been friends is like when you are forging this new path and you're sticking your neck out and you're, yeah, being yourself and experimenting with how to do that, it is hard. And it's very tempting to be like, never mind. I was joking. I'm going to yeah. go back and like mm-hmm. be small and little and good again, uh, where like nobody can criticize me or yeah, it's, I mean, small feels safe. And so it makes total sense that having that community around us to help us take risks. And also I think like absorb wins when mm-hmm. it goes well, right? process when it doesn't go well would be essential. Yeah, totally agree. So therapists then who are listening, what makes makes it beneficial for them? Or like, why do therapists especially, are they in the position to be able to step out and build these personal 
brands? Because I know this is kind of the center of the work that you do, right? Is that, ah. that you know, that therapists, like we are uniquely positioned. So tell me more about that. Okay. I'm so excited because this is like, I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this sometimes and I'm just like <laughs> filled with joy and excitement. You know, like I'm so glad that I have moved past the era of my life where I wake up in the middle of the night, like stressed with, racked with fear and anxiety. So much worse. That's so much um, worse right. Yeah. So much worse. This is way better. Uh, 10 out of 10 recommend waking up feeling just like so excited to talk about a thing. <laughs> so first, maybe let's define what a personal brand is because it is kind of ambiguous. A little, It's a little difficult to understand. In its simplest form, a personal brand is a business that's based on you, your personality, your values, and most importantly, your subject matter expertise or your specialty area. Mm. So when I say you should have a personal brand, I'm not saying you should be an influencer on Instagram, right? Influencers, they do have personal brands, but that is true, but they don't have subject matter expertise, right? They really are just known for their personality and their values, and that's it. What makes this different, what you and I are talking about, is that we get to lead with who we are and we get to back that up with our subject matter expertise. And there are few people on the planet who are as specialized, as intelligent, and as human as psychotherapists. Mm -hmm. Like we have spent years getting specialized training in whatever it is that we do. We have spent hours and tens of thousands of dollars getting supervised by people who have been doing this work for longer than we have. We are experts. And Mm. yet therapists, we are some of the people who are the quickest to dismiss our expertise, to discount Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, we are the, we, we stay in little tiny private practice offices with the doors closed, you know, where we maybe talk to 20 people a week and that's it. No one else gets into our mind. No one else gets to know what we know or hear what we have to say. And I just feel like it's such a travesty because like (laughs) more therapists were out there in the spotlight sharing what they know and what they believe and how they help people heal and transform their lives. I genuinely think the whole world would be a much better place than it is mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So and, anyways, it, yes. Yeah. It, it makes me think about the more you know, the more you know you don't know, right? Like kind of that like Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. I think about all the coaches out there who know this much yeah. and, and have confidence just like through the roof and take up so much space, like teaching this like, you know, tiny area that they figured out with full confidence, not understanding all of the adjacent areas that they know nothing about that, you know, can be really important. And then I think about therapists who have hundreds of hours of training Mm -hmm. and know so deeply what they know and what they don't know and what they specialize in and what they don't and like the complexities of what they do. And yet they doubt themselves and think that they should only be like making a a small impact. Exactly. When these folks who know way less than you think that they deserve to be making a huge impact. And again, we have to ask ourselves, why is that the case? Well, Mm -hmm. it's the case because the way we're trained as therapists, you know, that we are trained in a paradigm in graduate school programs, in a a culture of psychotherapy that um, has deep roots in white Mm -hmm. supremacy and patriarchy and these systems that have profited over time on keeping people like us small and quiet. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I come back to like, this is an act of revolution, right? To say no more, I'm not going to be small. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm actually, I'm going to step out. I'm going to open the door of my private practice office. I'm going to like step into the street. You know, I'm going to look <laughs> both ways first. Of course. And, uh, yeah. and I'm going to say, folks, I have something to say. You know, I know something that will make your lives better. I believe something so deeply that I want more people 
to have access to mm. this work that I, and, and therapists say this all the time, right? They're like, I want to expand my impact. Yes. You know, I, I don't yes. want only to be limited to the work that I'm doing in the therapy room, uh, which is great. It's great to say, but now we need to take that to the next level. So if that's how you feel, if you feel called to expand your impact beyond the therapy room, then do it. You know, it's then do it. And and I think the easiest way to do that and the most joyful and creative way to do that is by creating a personal brand and eventually, when the time is right, creating a business separate from your private practice mm-hmm. where you can start showing up in a different way and selling things to your people, to your community in a different way as well. Right. And, you know, for folks listening, you know, I think that we've been taught many roads to, to that, right. To expand an impact. Like some people will say like, you need to make a course, you know, based off of what you're doing in your practice, or you need to speak, like you need to do this. Tell me, you know, Megan, your perspective, why is a personal brand the the thing to do first rather than jumping into one of those other things? Yeah. When you jump into another thing before laying the foundation for your business, inevitably you are not going to be very successful. Right. And I see this all the time. People invest big money in programs that say, okay, okay, let's use the online course as an example. There's a therapist in private practice and they're like, I really want to make a course. So they pay $3,000, $4,000 to take a course, to learn how to make a course. And then they make a course and then nobody buys the course. And then they say, oh, I just wasted all of that money. Mm-hmm. I'm not meant to be successful. This isn't going to work for me. But the problem is, I, an analogy I often use is you hired the contractor before you got the blueprints from the architect. Mm, right. You know, like you 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 jumped in and you made a thing, but there's actually a lot that goes into setting a business up for success before you sell something. And I think that's where the personal branding piece is really important. You know, slow down first. Let's get really clear on what parts of you do you want to weave into your business? What Mm -hmm. is it that you really want to say? How do you want this business to serve you? This is what we do at Next Level Therapist is we first start with the personal exploration. Then we turn our attention to who who are we here to serve? Who are we here to serve? What do we want to say to them? How are we going to serve them? And then let's put the infrastructure in place to support our ability to sell things. Let's make sure we have a marketing plan. Let's make sure we have an email list. Let's learn what it means to build an audience. Let's learn how to sell with integrity. And when we do all of these things up front, and then we go to make the course, Mm -hmm. bam, you're going to be so much more successful because you have the infrastructure to support you in doing the thing, selling the thing that you want to do, that you want to sell. And the personal brand infrastructure also allows you to pivot. This is what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, that if you can do a course and then maybe you're like, that was boring. I want to do a group program. And then you do that. And you're like, that was too stressful. I just want to do a retreat. And then you can do a retreat. And I think the ability to play Mm -hmm. And to experiment with different ways of offering things to your people is a really important element in creating a business beyond private practice. Right. Because with the personal brand, if I understand properly or correctly, people learn to like and trust you. They like you and what you do. So if you're doing a course and they like and trust you and the content is relative to them, they're going to jump in and take the course. But then if you say, I'm going to do this retreat instead, they're going to be like, oh my God, I would love to have time with Claire. And they're going to be interested to do the retreat because they have a a personal connection to you. 
Yeah, that's right. You you are always leading with your personality and your values. I say there are three things that you need for a profitable personal brand. You need courageous authenticity, right? You have to be courageously yourself. You have to be honest. That doesn't mean you have to show people everything mm-hmm. about yes. you or your life, yes. but the parts of you that you do show need to be courageously authentic. People are drawn to authenticity. Two, we need genuine relationships, right? Successful personal brands are built on relationships, genuine relationships. My friendship with you, Lindsay, is genuine. My relationship with the people in my audience, on my email list, those are genuine relationships. I am really talking and connecting with those people in real ways. And three, we need to be compelling storytellers, Mm -hmm. right? To have a successful personal brand, you do have to be able to tell stories. And this is one of the most fundamental elements of being human is being able to tell a story. Hmm. Our brains are hardwired to receive story, to tell story. So when you're being yourself, when you are open to genuine relationships, and when you are telling stories in your business in a way that brings people in and makes them curious about you and what you do, then what you just described, it happens, you know, that people start to trust you. People are interested in what you have to say, and they're willing to kind of follow you around as you experiment with different offerings. Mm. And just because, you know, you're the you're the money person, I will also say that like this is the path that leads to a scalable income. Yes. For you as a therapist, right? When you get out of the therapy room and you start experimenting with offers that aren't just an hour of your time with one person at a time, you can begin to see the pathway to increasing your income and your revenue in a way that you'll never be able to see with a traditional private practice business model. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, just to help folks understand, like, would there be any kind of examples or numbers that you could share to help them wrap around what's possible with a personal brand? Sure. Well, let's brainstorm this together. I mean, let's say maybe we can start with the online course example. Sure. Okay. So let's say- Do I need my calculator? I'll get my calculator. Yeah. Maybe get your calculator because you know, Lindsay knows me in numbers. We're we're not the closest friends. You're acquaintances. Um, You are acquaintances. I have mad respect for numbers, but we don't get each other. You know? Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's say you create an online course. Now you create an online course after you do all of those other things that I mentioned, you know, Mm -hmm. building the infrastructure, creating an audience so that there are people who want to buy an online course from you. So I don't know, Lindsay, let's say that someone specializes in anxiety and they create an online course about managing your anxiety in work meetings. So you're getting anxiety at work meetings. You're not able to speak up for yourself and you want to overcome that. So you create a kind of self-study course that guides people through, let's say, a four to five step process for managing anxiety and speaking up at work. You package that up and I don't know, what do you think someone would sell that for, Lindsay? Four or five lessons. Anxiety, work, depend on the target audience. Are we talking about like really big corporate people or? Uh, let's say like middle managers. Sure. Middle managers. <laughs> okay. I would say that's what, at least 500 bucks. Yeah. I would say, say if I'm a middle manager and like it's impacting yeah. my work performance. Yeah. Easily invest that much. Yeah. And and let's say that includes like a little bit of one-on-one support too, you know? So there's like a group coaching call or something like that. So great. So we have this course, anxiety management for middle managers. That's (laughs) that's like, that needs some copy work. So inspiring. um, Yeah. Okay. So $500. So let's say, I don't know, let's say you sell 20. Mm -hmm. What's that? $10,000. $10,000. So, Mm -hmm. and let's say you, how many group coaching calls do you show up for? Let's say five. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's five group coaching calls. And so really this, this 
is an online course that became a group program <laughs> in, the cor- in the course of this brainstorm. It's the hybrid. online course it's became, it's a hybrid. Became, this is how it became works. A hybrid yep. program. Yep. This is how it works. Great. So you just made 10 grand and you showed up live for five hours mm-hmm. and 20 people get a, a pretty huge transformation. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's not fair. I don't want to be someone who's like, you got paid 10 grand for five hours of work mm-hmm. because a lot mm-hmm. of work went into creating that course. Right. Yes. A lot of hours went into making it a lot of hours. You know, you probably had to pay people to help you with the tech, but what you now have is something you can rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. So you made $10,000 the first time that you did it. Well, the next time that you do it, maybe you increase the price to $700. And instead of 20 people, you do 40 people mm-hmm. and you actually don't have to redo any of the work you did the first time because it's all already created. So the only thing you do the next time is show up for those five group coaching calls. Yes. So I don't know. Let's, and let's, let's say 30 people, 30 people, $700 each. What's that lens? $21,000. Okay, great. So the second time you did it, you grossed $21,000 mm-hmm. and so on and so forth as things evolve and change in your business. And now you can begin to see the pathway out of, well, how many one-on-one therapy hours did it take you to generate Mm $21,000? Right. Yeah. And when you were focused on delivering those 21 or however many therapy hours for that $21,000, you also didn't have the time to create something that you could scale and share with more people in this new way. What do you think? I think the math is good. And I was going to say, you know, to to put it into, you know, since this is a financial podcast, $21,000, if we're using like your uh, kind of standard profit first rate that applies to most businesses of paying yourself about 50%, that's like $10,000 in pocket um, that you could take home from doing that work. Yeah, it is. You really are when you're doing this kind of work, I think not just increasing your impact, but also in our practice, like when, when we're doing one-on-one sessions, it's like you might say the same thing a hundred times. And like one time you might say it really, really well. And the next time you're like, ah, that was okay. I think, I think I got it across, but I actually forgot to mention this part. Like what I think about too, is when you make a course and like when you package and create something like that, you do get to know that it's like your best take, right? Like you're gonna, you're gonna use the version that you were like, yes, nailed it. Also added this piece that I often forget. And so you also know that there's this certain consistency of quality that those folks who are taking the course are getting because they've got, you know, your best version of that spiel. Mm, I love that. I think when we do therapy work, there's beauty that comes from it, obviously, like being in person and like the relational aspect and whatever. But like, if you're having a bad day because you took too many cold meds and you're like, whoa, I'm a little bit loopy in the middle of this session, speaking from personal experience that happened to me once. And I was like, oh dear, you know, you're probably doing good work, but you're not doing your best work. And so that's also something that I think about is like you, when you take that energy to create it once, as you say, you get to bet people benefit it from time, time, time again, like over and over. And also you really know that you've like nailed, you've nailed it and you're happy with the product. I think that is so spot on. It, it's better for everybody, I think. And and uh, you and I are the first people to say, like, this doesn't happen overnight. No, you know, we don't want to sell you like flash in the pan. Lindsay and I have been working at this for years now, and we're still growing. We're still learning. But what's so exciting is that you do get to experience more freedom in your own life because you're not committed, you know, every hour of every day to a client. You get to be more creative and more playful, and you get to fine tune what you know into these courses or these programs that do allow you to show up in the best way possible. And the people who are participating in those programs 
are paying a whole lot less than they would pay if they were doing long-term one-on-one therapy with you or long-term one-on-one coaching with you. It just kind of, it's it, it's so expansive mm-hmm. when you get to this place and you start It's expansive personally when you become more self-expressed, when you start showing up as who you are and saying what you actually feel and you actually believe. Like There is a personal expansiveness that is so beautiful and healing for many of us who have been hiding our entire lives. And then there's a professional expansiveness, right? That we're getting to reach more people. We're sharing what we know with more people. We're helping more people create this powerful transformation in their lives. And yeah, there are stressors and there are learning curves and there are growing pains. But what makes it worth it for me is that expansiveness. Like once you get a taste of the expansiveness, it's really hard to go back. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and I would add to that too, uh, financial expansiveness as well. Yes. Right. Like I think as you know, before we started recording, you and I were chatting about kind of our own numbers and some you know, numbers that we're looking to meet and settle into and what becomes possible. And we, and we were just reflecting on how a few years ago, there's no way we would have thought we were having these conversations about, you know, like settling into consistent 30K months, 40K months, like 50K months being the kind of, you know, level that we're at now. That would have been a total pipe dream years ago when we started doing this work. And now that we're at that point, it's like, oh, okay, it's not that big a deal. You know, it's like, okay, like we see like, yeah, you need that much money at the, at the stage that we're at now. And we're like, oh, yes. you need 50K a month to be able to do what you want to do and pay your team well and pay yourself well. And and I think it's really important to name too, on the personal brand path, you can be as big or as small as you want, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you can be a powerful company of one where you generate, you know, 150K a year and that's a sweet spot for you and you're living your best life. Mm -hmm. Or you can have a personal brand and say, I want to make a million dollars. Great. Make, you can work your way up to making a million dollars or you can say, I want to make $300,000. Like there is a pathway for you financially through the personal brand roadmap that will help you meet your personal needs. And I love the flexibility of that model. Yes. Yeah. Cause the other thing that I think about too, is I think about money is I also think about being able to buy back our time, you know, and, and as I reflect on, you know, my own decisions around how I use money in my business, it's very much reflected for me in the last few years, having time flexibility. Right. And like, I have a son, he brings home every disease under the sun and like being able to just have that be okay. And it's like, I don't have to, I don't lose a day of revenue nothing is ruined, you know, like maybe I have to like show up and do a coaching call because it happens on that certain day, but then I only need somebody to cover me for an hour and a half. Like for me, I know that looking at my values in my business over the last couple of years, it's very clear to me that I have valued my time, right? And so more money goes to pay other people. So I have lots of support. So I have lots of time and you get to like play with those variables too in your business and decide, Uh, trading money for time, or you work more and you make more money, but you get to play with those levers. I think that is such an important lesson. And it's something that I talk about a lot as well. It's, I I, I think I call them creative profits. Like let's get creative here. Like profits aren't always money in the bank. Yes. How else are you profiting from your business? You're profiting in time flexibility, right? You're profiting in rest. You're profiting in space for personal development. For me, a big one is creativity right? That in in this path, I get to be creative and expressive in ways that I couldn't be as a private practice Mm -hmm. therapist, right? That I am experimenting with a workshop or a group or an in-person event. And like that kind of playfulness and creativity is 
worth its weight in gold for me because it it brings me joy. So I think I want everyone who's listening to this who feels excited about moving beyond the traditional private practice, who wants to be more self-expressed to also ask yourself, what do you need your business to do for you? Something I often say is that your business should serve you first and your clients second. So if you really are putting yourself first as the business owner, what do you need to get paid in? Time flexibility, X amount of money per year, creative Mm -hmm. expression, Mm -hmm. more space for rest. What I mean, the sky's the limit. Make it whatever you want, but be really clear about what's most important for you so you don't get swept up in the business building space, which will just tell you to do more, more, more all the time until you, you know, grind yourself into the ground. Avoid mm-hmm. that trap. Be clear yeah. about who you are and what you actually need. And it will tell you too that money is the metric of success. And sure that's will. not true. Sure isn't. <laughs> Especially that revenue. Yeah. The money you make, that money that comes in the top, that is not what is going to, you know, make you feel fulfilled. Yeah. That that doesn't make it worth it, frankly. Especially if the money's not working. But sometimes even when the money is working, it's still not worth it. Yeah. If you if you're making a shit ton of money, but you have no time, not worth it. I mean, depending on your values, it would for people like me and you, it would not be worth it. But no, again, this is it. why you have to name what's most important for you, because maybe time flexibility is not important to you in this season of your life. And what is important to you is generating as much money in the bank as possible. And if that's true for you, great, more power mm-hmm. to you, but be mm-hmm. clear about it so that you yes. don't get swept up in other people's expectations. Mm. So Megan, if folks want to get further into your world and also get that great uh, resource you mentioned at the beginning, where can they find you? Thanks for asking, Lens. Yes, if you're feeling really drawn to this conversation about self-expression and weaving more of your personality into your private practice, because that's where it begins, right? We don't start by creating a course or you know, launching a high-ticket program that comes way later. It starts by first weaving more of who you are into your private practice. I would love for you to download my personality power pack, which is a lesson pulled straight from Next Level Therapist. And it's a five-step guide to help you discover your authentic personality and learn how to weave that personality unapologetically into your private practice. And you can download that at personalitypowerpack.com. And the second invitation I would love to extend, Lindsay, you've joined me in this space before. I have a weekly writing studio called Express Yourself. It is free. You can come and go as it is convenient for you. We gather with the sole intention of getting our hands dirty and practicing expressing ourselves on the page. I give a prompt. We write together for 30 minutes, and then we spend about 20 minutes at the end sharing and reflecting as a community. If you want to read more about that and register to join us, you can do so at expressyourselfstudio.com. Great. Thank you so much, Megan, for joining us today. Thanks for having me back, Linz. Something that stuck out from my conversation with Megan that I think is so important is just how much therapists, and I want to say mental health therapists for sure, but I also feel like I could probably say for some other health practitioners as well, how much we doubt ourselves, don't value what we know, 
uh, as I mentioned, how much we're aware of what we don't know, you know, when it comes to stepping out and kind of staking our claim and sharing what we know with the world. I think it's really easy to undervalue your expertise, you know, that you've gained through not just training, like formal education, but also through often your own life experience. Usually we specialize in a certain area because it has some personal relevance to us. And then the hundreds and thousands of clinical hours that we've spent working with people around whatever the topic is, you know, that we focus on and that that we love to work with. I, I just love her point about how uniquely positioned therapists are to build these brands because we just know what we know so deeply. So if you have an area of content that you love and work that you love to do, I'd really encourage you to think about and be curious about if you ever would want to expand beyond one-on-one work and, you know, think about how much you know and how much you have to share and how much information you're able to share uh, with your clients every week, both like knowledge that you have, but also ways of dealing with, you know, whatever it is that they're struggling with. I just love this Megan's point about how uniquely positioned we are to uh, be able to help people on a broad scale and build these brands because of all the expertise that we amass every single week in the work that we do. I'm uh, grateful to Megan for coming on the podcast today. You can follow me on Instagram at money, nuts, and bolts. Uh, and if you're enjoying the podcast, please hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. Uh, I've said it before because it's true. It is the best way for other therapists, new therapists to find the podcast and benefit from these conversations. Thanks for listening today.